Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another brand new episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. This is week number two of our draft extravaganza leading up to the NFL draft, the 2021 NFL draft in Cleveland, Ohio, if you didn't know. And this week, we did the West last week with AFC West, NFC West, and well, obviously we talked a lot about what the Niners moving up to three did did to the whole draft. And this week, we're going to go to two conferences, or two divisions that have all four teams picking in the first round for both divisions. So a total of eight total picks we'll be able to give you in the NFC North and AFC North this time. And... Unlike last week, where we wait, so we saved the NFC for last, this week, we're going to get it kicked off with the NFC. And now, DJ, what are your first thoughts when you see these NFC North and AFC North teams on the board? What are your kind of first thoughts when you just glance at their picks? When I look at the NFC North, I see the Packers and everybody else, unfortunately, just kind of how it is. When I look at the AFC North, I see, oh my God, everybody else, like every all four teams in that division, like they could 
you could easily say, depending on how this draft goes, anyone in that division could have a shot at winning it next year. The Bengals kind of pending because we had to see Joe Burrow recover and all that sort of thing. But if he bounces back, what we saw last year, he improves off of that. You never know. I mean, young quarterbacks take the next step. T. Higgins is still T. Higgins. Nine to eighty-five in Cincinnati is a pretty reliable combination in the in the <laughs> yeah. jungle lore. So anything could. The AFC North is a very interesting one. Absolutely, and 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 we'll get it kicked off with the NFC though, and we'll save that drama for the AFC North for the second half of this episode. Um, but guys, we we we're here. We go with the NFC North, and on the clock would be Detroit at number seven, as we're going in order of their pick and. And DJ, when you look at this Detroit team, obviously they have a lot of they did a lot of things in the offseason, namely signing a new a new head coach and then trading Matt Stafford and getting Jared Goff in return. So does Detroit still go for a quarterback here at seven, or are they going to fill one of the other thirty two holes on their team? That's adorable. You think there's only thirty two holes on that team? Honestly, <laughs> well, it depends what PC principal, also known as Dan Campbell, as the head coach, kind of wants to do. So. You mentioned they brought in Jared Goff. I like Jared Goff. I think he could be fine. He's nothing spectacular, but he's better than like he's better than the fifty percent of quarterbacks that fail year in year in and year out. So I think you kind of stick with that for now. I mean, you still have him for a couple of years on a thick contract. You're at Detroit. You have so many needs. You also lost Galladay. I think Marvin Jones is out of there. Your running back situation. I have no idea what you're doing with DeAndre Swift, on Johnson, Adrian Peterson. I don't know what you're doing there. <laughs> tight ends. You do have a TF tight end, so you're you're good there. I mean. Yeah. yeah, I think you're okay there. Offensive line, yikes. Is Jeff Okuda any good? I don't know. Is that or is that the Matt Patricia effect? Like, we, I don't know what's on their defense. Really, they did keep a core up, which was good. So you got your pass rusher. You're good there. It's everything else that I have concerns about. So I'd say they take the best available player, which in this case, I think it's going to be one of the receivers, either Devonte Smith or Jamar Chase. I think one of them is going to slip there, if not both of them, possibly. Yeah. So I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to slip, but if he slips too. You run a dirty two tight end set with him and DJ Hawkinson. Like, okay, Patriots, I see your John Smith and Hunter Henry, and I raise you this. <laughs> so I think that's an option too. I think the best player available, because I think defenders, I, I don't know if there's a defender you want to take in that spot necessarily if you're Detroit, just because you need help at all three levels. Like, you really can't go wrong with just about any of the top 10 or 15 players, but I'm going to say they take the best offense player there, which I think would be a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith, who... Could make a difference there. I mean, Jared Goff would really love one of those two guys, guaranteed. See Devontae Smith toast corners off the line and be like, oh, that's nice. He's seven feet open. Or Jamar Chase jumping over people and be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. He'll catch everything. I just throw it up there. Screw it. Jamar out there somewhere. Yeah, really. I mean, there's there's a lot of rumors potentially Jamar reuniting with uh, Joe Burrow, but we'll get to that one a little bit later. But you're exactly right here with Detroit. It's, it's pick your poison. I mean, really, you're going to pick somebody and you're still going to have more holes to fill um, in the rest of this first round. And it's very interesting for me as well. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you where it's best available. But for me, when I look at best available, I'm not going to look at the skill players. I'm going to look at best available linemen, namely uh, trying to trying to somewhat, somehow protect Jared Goff because, well, you couldn't protect Matt Stafford in his almost 12-year career, 13-year career in Detroit. And now you get Jared Goff for another, I think it's two years on his contract, and you're going to have to try to re-sign him afterwards. So you have to try to protect him to keep him along for the ride. And so uh, to me, I look at this offensive line. as I think it's, I think that's where I look at the best best available offensive linemen. Um, and at this point, you know, obviously it depends on, on what some of these teams like Cincinnati does and what some of these teams that are rumored to get a quarterback in the top seven, which it seems to be six out of the top seven teams are all going for a quarterback. 
So we see, uh, we'll see what they do. But it, it could be somebody like you know Elijah Vera Tucker or Wyatt Davis falling to him. Maybe Rashawn Slater. Maybe a Christian Darisaw. Because um, everybody seems high on Panay Sewell to go be the first lineman off the board. But all these other guys are quality guys to, to go with that are that are going to be right there and, and should be right there at number seven for sure. I feel like in this draft, if you say off, you could say offensive line for all 32 te- 31 of 32 teams, the Browns being the exception because their offensive line is insane. But I think everybody else you could say offensive lineman, and it's the right answer in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Now, I did want to circle back because when we did our first mock draft, you actually had the Lions in your first mock draft and you took Russo out of Miami as the edge rusher. Do you still still think he's a possibility here with them keeping Aquara? Because that was before Aquara signed. So do you know, you st- I could I could see it, but I don't I wouldn't like it because since I've I'm still working on the prospect board, just ranking the prospects. And I think there's a couple edge rushers ahead of Gregory or so. So I think yeah, that's not a bad pick, but I think at pick number seven you want somebody a little more dynamic than what he provides. Yeah. So if you're going to take a defender seven, I look at one of the corners like Patrick Sertan. There's Caleb Farley, the absolute alien that he is. I mean, those are a couple of good options. <laughs> His Gregory's teammate, Jalen Phillips is a good option. Like there's even the linebackers look at it. Jeremiah Wosoa Koromoa, Micah Park. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like you said, they have so many needs. You really can't go wrong. Cause they really have to rebuild this thing from the bottom up and, Honestly, they could take a quarterback there if there's one there, and it's not really wrong either. I mean, like, you could yeah. take just about anything. You just have to hit. Absolutely, yeah. And, and one of the biggest things being, well, they have a lot a lot to, to, to replace, but they also have, what, picks, top top first, first round picks and second round picks over the next three years, thanks to the Rams now. Um, so, you know, you do, have, you do have a lot of picks to be able to rebuild this whole thing over the next three seasons, and that's something to... Uh, to keep in mind as well. Like if they could trade back, that'd probably be pretty ideal too. I mean, maybe one of those quarterbacks slips a little bit and someone wants to trade up, you get even more picks and you could load up for the future. Like, yeah, yeah. I think there, there's a few teams in this top 10 that if they could trade back, not a bad idea. Yeah, definitely. Not. I do think Detroit's one of them that you might see them try to trade back because they struggle in the first round to begin with anyway. So maybe try to take that pressure off of the Detroit organization and picking in the first round. Um, cause it seems since basically Calvin Johnson, they have not had a successful first round pick, if you will, um, in a long time, really. TJ Hawkinson's pretty good. TJ Hawkinson's pretty good, but I mean, what two seasons and he's been injured in half of one and, and half of the other. So, I mean like uh, three, three games, but yeah, same thing. Same. Yeah. It's Detroit. They're all, it's, it's for half of the season. If it's Detroit, you only play six games before you're mathematically eliminated in Detroit. So six quarters usually but yeah (laughs) fair point fair point all right so moving on in the north the next pick in the north would be minnesota the minnesota vikings with Kirk cousins at 14 obviously this team kind of surprised a lot of people last year in their offense you lose stefan diggs and then all of a sudden you know this little little known guy out of lsu decides to come in and say oh hey i'm here guys and yeah little little known guy yeah uh set all these records offensively for receivers breaking records that have not been touched since randy moss um but the big question mark always as always with this minnesota team kirk cousins in this defense so where do you go if you're the vikings once again offensive line not a bad option especially when you're a dalvin cook led team as many people as you can to clear holes for him but i'm gonna look at the defensive end defensive side especially somebody to get after the passer daniel hunter being injured last year and reportedly unhappy this year I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting dealt. Like maybe so maybe even on draft day, somebody's like, Hey, I'll give you a first round for Daniel Hunter. And then Daniel's like, get me out of here. <laughs> Who knows? Like, you don't know what's going to happen there. And their defense was pretty bad last year. Surprisingly, especially at Mike Zimmer team. Like they were pretty bad all over the place. They, 
They could use some corner help a little bit. They did bring in Patrick Peterson, but that's a one-year deal. So I think just defense. That's the simple way to put it. Just defense. Get somebody. You have Aaron Rodgers in your division and Devontae Adams. You got to slow that down. You, you got to find a way to slow that down a little bit. Yeah, that agreed as well. Um, when I look at this team, as you mentioned, offensive line can can be a mention. But for me, that's like fifth or sixth on the list of things they need to fill. The top five things being defense, 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 defense. Um, I think one of those defense. Uh, yeah, I did forget one, I, but but that's because Patrick Peterson came in. So you at least get a year of Patrick mm-hmm. Peterson that you can maybe wait and not have to fill that hole. It's just going to be kind of a simple patchwork for the next season. Um, and at the rate Harrison Smith's getting ejected, they might need a safety too. I mean, considering he gets ejected for targeting every other game. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I uh, I left that one out of my 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 um my planning for this one. I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting a Harrison Smith reference. I'll be completely honest. Uh, but they do have Anthony Harris on the other side. So they do have at least two safeties. One gets ejected every other game, but they still have one more. So, you know, they'll be fine. Um, but I, last year. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm still sticking with what I had in the mock draft, which was Christian Barmore, the defensive lineman out of Alabama. Um, as you mentioned, defensive line and, and Daniel Hunter being unhappy. One way to make him happy is give him somebody on the inside of him to take some of the pressure off of him being double teamed at all times. So giving somebody like Barmore there to be an extra pass rusher, um, from the interior might be a better way to go just to hope to kind of alleviate some of the Hunter's angst, if you will, um, on the outside. If he still stays a Viking through draft day, we'll see if that even happens. Uh, but as of right now, I'm going to stick with that, that interior defensive line and somebody like Christian Barmore, or maybe they go edge rusher with like a, a Jason Owusu out, out of Penn state or, or uh, sorry, Jason Owa out of Penn state or Aziz Ojolari, maybe somebody like that. Uh, just, just a pass rusher off the edge. I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking pass rush basically is where I'm at. Pass rush. Just somebody from- go get Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what you play. Yeah. Just go get him. And don't let don't let it don't let anybody run over you. Like Chicago seemed to just run over Minnesota at the end of the season. That didn't make sense. Jacksonville <laughs> running over Minnesota. That didn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah. I mean, just the, somebody stop somebody. Yeah, somebody somebody played some sort of whole type of coverage defense. I don't. Who cares? Somebody offer resistance, please. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's where I'm going. Going defensive line. Um, just trying to get something going now this team is i i don't know what to say about this team because they don't make any sense how they're picking in the 20s and not the 10s i don't know Hmm. but the chicago bears for all intents and purposes had the worst quarterbacking position out of all 32 teams last year and yet here they are i don't know about the worst but definitely not the worst of the playoff teams definitely Oh, no doubt. Yeah, and they, they made the playoffs, and, and you're still sitting here questioning how. And uh, one of the big things being, obviously, uh, Mitch Trubisky being benched while still being undefeated in Atlanta, and Atlanta almost giving up a comeback to Nick Foles in that game. So that's a did very... Did give up the comeback. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, did give up a comeback. My bad, because that's <laughs> Atlanta's thing. But yeah, so Chicago picking at 20. Uh, what do you have planned for Chicago here at 20? They're weird. I, I don't know what they're going to do with quarterback necessarily. Like I, maybe they're thinking about trading up. I, I, I really don't know. I guess they're going to roll with Nick Foles. I guess I, I just don't know. I thought they were in the Sam Darnold sweepstakes. I thought they were in the Carson Wentz sweepstakes. I don't know what's going through their head in that position. So it's all red. I'm gonna presume, you know, I'm going to presume Nick Foles is their guy. And they're gonna be like, all right, we'll try this one more time. Even though you won like one game last year. So we're going to stick with that. The two spots would be offensive lineman protect that man because that offensive line needs some work. And, David Montgomery's a good running back. Give him more people to clear the way for him. Or a corner. Since you just lost Kyle Fuller or didn't really lose him, you gave him up because of a cap casualty, basically. 
if someone like Caleb Farley again is there, Greg Newsom, Patrick Sertan, if he somehow slips down there, I highly doubt it. But like if any of those like top three, JC Horn, even like, I think a lot of those corners would make a lot of sense too. Cause in the same vein as Minnesota's individual there in Rogers, the bears are in a division with Devonte Adams. And since you took away Kyle Fuller, you need somebody to stand in front of Kyle in front of Devonte Adams and say, look, you're going to toast me, but I'm going to be just in the way enough. So this Eddie Jackson can stay over the top. So you have to be both of us. And he still probably will, but he'll do it a lot less often. If you have somebody who can line up across from him and at least contend with him. Yeah, no, that, that is actually a very good point. Um, uh, you know, when we did this originally, I had an offensive lineman going here, but like with all 32 teams, you know, we can just keep repeating this. Offensive line is not a bad position, especially like a tackle position for him. Um, but, you know, you sit here and, and look at this, and I think you're exactly right. Once you lost Kyle Fuller, you have to do something immediately to fix this 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 cornerback situation, this DB position, because you do go up against Devontae Adams twice a year, and, yeah, let's not try to let him run a, run, run, run wild on me at any point in time. And, and now, in, you know, you still have Adam Thielen up there. Adam Thielen's 40 to deal with in Minnesota. So uh, you, you have to figure out something to do at corner. And I think Justin Jefferson too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to just, you know, I already mentioned him as the the little known guy out of LSU just to keep harping on that. Cause I think Detroit takes a receiver too. Like let's just pile it on. So yeah, you need somebody out there. You need a corner for sure. You need a coverage guy. Um, I definitely look at that corner position, potentially a safety to go along with Eddie Jackson, maybe Javon Holland, or if Morig's still sitting there, um, potentially being there. Obviously, I'm I'm kind of the same vein as I was when I talked about Oakland, where if Morg is there, that is your man. Do not question it. Do not say what. Do just yes, I want him, and that's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I do I do think corners obviously the number one position unless somebody like Trayvon Morg is available. So. Most definitely too. And maybe they're planning on trading this pick for a quarterback. Who who the heck knows at this point? Honestly, like I really. I don't know. Maybe they're still thinking like, Hey Russell, remember how I know you guys turned down the trade earlier, but let's try this again. Yeah. I mean, look, them signing Andy Dalton and that being their big quarterback signing is just kind of like, I'm sorry. What? As, as, as a Cowboys fan who has seen Andy Dalton play in person for, for the team. Yeah. I honestly forgot Andy Dalton. And if Nick Foles is still there, I have a feeling somehow he's going to be seeing the field again anyway. So like it's, (laughs) it's rough. Maybe Andy Dalton bruises wrong. Maybe he's just what the doctor ordered, but. I struggle seeing it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be a – that would be silly if Andy Dalton is, is still the number one guy for sure. Um, and then rounding it out, the NFC North is Green Bay at 29. And this team, I mean, okay, so last year's draft, what are you guys thinking in drafting Jordan Love? Trading up for Jordan Love. Yeah, trading up to get Jordan Love while you saw Aaron Rodgers. You just pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that was the plan the whole time, to piss off Aaron Rodgers. So he goes ballistic like he just did and puts up the stats like he just did and literally puts the team on his back to get them to an NFC championship game. Um, and then on top of that, you pick a, uh, a running back who's a bigger running back who was, you, you knew was not going to upset Aaron Jones at that point in time. And, and Oh, and then you resigned Aaron Jones too. So it's not like he was here just in case it was more of a, Oh, we're planning on resigning Aaron Jones anyway. Exactly. So that's what they did last year. So I guess the big question is what do they do this year? Do they continue to piss off Aaron Rodgers and not get him any more weapons? Trade up and draft Kyle Trask. Let's just keep it rolling <laughs> at this point, too. But yeah, no, seriously. What I guess what is what is the plan here at Green Bay at twenty nine? Obviously, twenty nine is that that turnaround pick. So there's a lot available, a lot of those second tier guys and, and, and second round guys that could be first round grades and everything else. 
unfortunately, they have a lot more needs now than they did last year when they wasted that pick. Last year, it was basically grab a receiver, everything else will be fine. And they didn't do that. This year, you still kind of need that receiver. But you also need some help on that offensive line. David Bakhtiari is going to miss a chunk of next season, if not probably most of the regular season. You lost your all-pro center, Corey Lindley. Protect that MVP back there. Grab something. Like, what are you doing? You're letting it, You're letting his wall go away. Aaron Jones, he's probably getting sick of getting hit in the backfield. His wall is starting to d- diminish. So that's obviously a key point. Obviously, receiver yet again. Somebody across from Devonta Adams who can consistently be like, hey, I'm open. Instead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling randomly open and Adam Lazard, Alan Lazard randomly open, but not consistently open. Robert Tunyon's nice to tight end. So, I mean, they do have that. So maybe... They could, they've shown the ability to make it work with the weapon, so I don't think receiver is as pertinent. But man, could you imagine if they had gra- grabbed someone like Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, any T. Higgins, those guys that would have been there to their spot? Even if they trade up and grab Justin Jefferson, like my goodness, what they could have pulled off if they just did it last year. And the pass rush, the defensive line and front seven in general was terrible for a lot of last year. Kenny Clark was very hit or miss and. The Smith brothers, Zardarius was still pretty good, but Preston disappeared for large chunks of the season. I don't even remember seeing him in a lot of the games we watched. So front seven hope is also really high on their, that to-do list too. And just get Kevin King off the field too. Yeah, what is what is run stopping uh, for 500, please, Alex? Because uh, that's that's exactly what Green Bay needed last year. And Actually, you should be asking Aaron nowadays instead of <laughs> Alex, but yeah. Good point, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then Kevin King, I mean, God, that guy was... Ooh, he had some that was problems. a rough NFC championship game. So they also need, the, they might even be, they don't really need a safety. They just need to figure out, Hey, we should put safeties over the top and you know, let Yair Alexander on the back on one side, just take care of everything then put both your safeties on the other side. You're good. Yeah. 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 Eric Alexander through this defense is all this defense's woes. Yair Alexander was the absolute best player on that defense. Hands down. What three picks against Tom Brady. Let's, let's not forget. It seemed like it, yeah. And even <laughs> one of them was against a guy he wasn't covering. Yeah, so one of them was like, oh, oh, I'm here. Okay, wait, well, the ball's found me. All right, cool, let's go. So um, I'd say trenches on both sides, and then you can obviously throw in receiver. If you have somebody that you rank really highly is sitting there, you're like, okay, we can't pass this guy up. Yeah, I, I look at Kadarius Tony as maybe that's that guy that maybe they're looking at as a potential fit for this uh, this this team. Maybe that, that Randall Cobb-esque style of a uh, of receiver that they, they were successful with, with Aaron Rodgers. Um, they could have a lot of fun with that. Treat him like Percy Harvin almost. Like, all right, you just get the ball to you and you do stuff. Exactly, yeah. I, I look at that maybe potentially, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I look at that interior offensive line and I'm like, what were you doing letting Lindsley go? That is a big hole. And they still are going to be missing Bakhtiari with the, the ruptured Achilles for most of the season as well. So those are two big holes for your offensive line as well. I do like Landon Dickerson, the Alabama center. I think he will probably be there around that point, coming off the ACL injury of his own. But I imagine he'll be ready to go relatively early in the season. January, yeah. so he injured in, I think it was January. So reasonably by October, he might be playing, just the way ACL recovery is nowadays. I think he'd be a really good fit. He's a leader in that spot. Fills in the And you have him on a rookie contract. I think it's a good pick. It seems like a safe pick, too. I feel like he can't. There's a very small chance of him being bad unless the – injury history at early in his college career creeps back up yeah i mean definitely and he was able to play in the bama game how you, you saw him still limping but he was still able to walk to be able to walk after injuring your your achilles your acl so recently um is an impressive stat and to be able to bend over and snap the ball with that acl injury also is something impressive so he was already making pretty successful recovery at that point um so that was that's a good good sign for him to be able to play 
starting the regular season or at least maybe week three, like sort of the Julian Blackman type of situation we saw last year with the Colts where, yeah, we're drafting him. We, we don't expect him to play until week three. Oh, crap, we need him now. Okay, go out there, and he'd had a successful year. I think that could potentially happen here with Landon Diggerson or somebody else, maybe Wyatt Davis as well, being in this position. Um, but I think I think those are the two the two big positions I look at, obviously, being interior offensive line, wide receiver. And you're exactly right, though. You could take edge rushers. You could take it, it, you know defensive line. You could take linebackers. You could take a corner. You could take a second safety. I mean, there's so much you could do here. If you're Green Bay, it's just kind of a matter of what do you have highest ranked? And if it's not wide receiver or interior def- offensive line, I think they're messing up somehow. Um, exactly. So <laughs> for sure. Uh, but just to wrap up this NFC North, so Detroit at seven, obviously that one is going to be a spitball of just pretty much best available player. I think we we're both in agreeing to that and, and just kind of looking at a couple positions for that one, maybe being a corner or wide receiver or interior offensive line, potentially um, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have so many holes to just to take your pick. And then with Minnesota, I think we're both in agreement. defense, best available defensive player at that point in time. Probably um, safe bet, although if there's a high-rate offensive lineman, can't go wrong either. Exactly, yeah. You do have to, I guess, protect Kirk Cousins when you want to. I don't know why you protect that guy, because he doesn't really do much. I just met with Sue for Dalvin Cook in his running lanes, but okay, that too. <laughs> Good point. I guess. Well, I guess Kirk Cousins does like to throw a lot of screens to Dalvin, and that's how he gets all his passing yards. So that makes a lot of sense. He's got to play action, screw Adam Thielen's 40 or Justin Jefferson down there somewhere. You need an offensive <laughs> line to do that. So, I mean. Yeah, good point. And then, okay, so Chicago at 20. Uh, what they're going to do is just a question mark to all of us because we still don't even know who's going to start their start at quarterback there um, for Chicago. But, uh, I mean, realistically, looking at this one, it could go pretty much anywhere, but probably going to be a corner seems to be the safe bet. If, especially if one of those top three corners comes in uh, and falls that far for sure. And then Green Bay. I mean, I don't – I think offense is, is is should be the priority. However, defense has turned into a need recently. So You can't go wrong with defense. That, in that case, like, you can grab a corner and put him opposite yeah, or You can grab a safety, make it work. You, you can grab anything and find a way to make it work. Absolutely. So that'll do it for the NFC North for us, guys. And we're going to head to break real fast. We're going to take a – Short break and listen to a message from Fanatics and Fubo TV, our network sponsors, and we will be right back. What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the High Low Sports Podcast. You know, if you missed the brand new news, we have partnered with Fanatics.com. So if you're in the market for a brand new t-shirt, brand new hoodie, brand new jersey, no matter the team, no matter the player, no matter the sport, Fanatics.com is your place to stop. Not only does this help support our podcast, but it helps support the entire Onion Sports Network. Check the link in our bio or go to onionsn.com. I'll be having DJ and the High Low Sports Podcast. See ya. What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the High Low Sports Podcast, and we recently partnered with Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? Fubo TV is a service to broadcast live TV over the internet, no cable required. Watch your favorite teams, network shows, news, and movies on over 100-plus channels. You get channels like CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. You can watch all the games. So go ahead, click that link in our bio, and get started on your seven-day free trial. And stay tuned to some more great programming right here on the Unhinged Sports Network. And welcome back, guys. As you just heard from our network sponsors, Fanatics.com and FuboTV. If you haven't already gone over to Fanatics.com, I mean, really, at this point, I can't stop telling you guys enough times. Go get your jerseys. Go support your teams. 
You got to show your fanhood somewhere. And if you're going to be at the draft in Cleveland, you got to represent your team. You know, you got to have some sort of team gear when you're there. You can't just go take a picture next to the big helmets and call it swell. So go over to fanatics.com. The link is in our link tree on our Twitter page and check that out there. Fubo TV, go cut the cord, get in the 21st century. Stop paying that high cable bill, guys. Again, link is in our link tree. And other than that, we got to shout out Dr. Squatch, guys. If you guys don't already know, Dr. Squatch Soap Company is one of our other sponsors for the podcast. And DJ, what do you got to say about Dr. Squatch, man? Smells great, feels great, is great, that great. Pretty much all you can say about it. It's fantastic. And I've been the deodorants, most BN. They smell great. They they go on easy. They don't leave the giant white marks like if you wear a black shirt on top of it too, so you don't have to worry about wearing an undershirt. They have all sorts of different smells. They even have pine tar for the baseball fan in your life as well. Highly recommend. Doesn't smell, and it doesn't smell like overpowerful body wash. Like some people do, where as soon as they walk into the room, they're like, yep, they just took a shower. I know that guy. These ones, you can smell them when you're in close, but they don't overpower the room. So 10 out of 10. Exactly, guys. So definitely go check that one out as well. That link is in our bio or on our website at highlowsportspodcast.com. And you just go over to our partners and you click right there on the beautiful Dr. Squatch link. And our final one, Everlast. If you guys don't already know Everlast, they are the number one in boxing, MMA, combat sports, training gear in the world. Been going since, well, it's been well over 100 years, the 1800s at this point in time. And yeah, if you guys haven't ha, don't don't know anything about Everlast, have you been in a foxhole somewhere? Because that's the only way you're going to not know anything about Everlast. Absolute, absolutely everywhere in the combat sports industry. Uh, DJ, you used to do MMA training growing up, and then you know that was a brand that you always talked about seeing, and and it's one that people still use nowadays, I believe. It's pretty true to the brand that it lasts forever, basically, and it's going to be around forever. So I mean, the name fits, and it's right on brand. So. That's your type of thing for training too. Definitely look into that. The link, you can find everything you need there too, as well as other forms of cardiovascular training as well too. Absolutely. And if you guys don't know, Aaron Donald uses Everlast products for the guys who train him as he trains with knife fighters. And yeah, somehow they have to wear the protection and not the guy who is actually having the knife pointed towards him because that's just Aaron Donald. He's just able to do that. Um, But he also uses Everlast, Everlast product when he does that training. Just an interesting tidbit about Everlast. But now here we go, jumping into the AFC North. This is the crazy one. This is probably the most interesting of these two today between the North divisions. Because of the pick right here at number five, Cincinnati at number five. Obviously, we talk about Joe Burrow coming off of that that horrific injury. However, for all intents and purposes, looks really good. He looks like he'll be ready to go day one of this season. But they're surrounded by, like I said, six out of the top seven teams seem to want a quarterback. The one not being them at Cincinnati. Do If you're Cincinnati, first of all, are you tempted to possibly trade back this pick for more? Or do you accept that you're at number five, not taking a quarterback, and you go and get your guy? Because you know he'll be there. Depends what who their guy is, necessarily. And if they think they can get equivalent or better value later. Let's say their guy is, we're going to presume it's an offensive lineman because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Let's say, so you're like, all right, our top rated offensive lineman is there. But the second rated offensive lineman hypothetically is like not 8.9 compared to nine. Let's just say it's something like that. Like their grade boards are very similar. And the Denver Broncos, for example, the team at nine is like, hey, we want a quarterback. We got to jump the Panthers who now might possibly be in the quarterback market. Like they just want to jump up. So 
you could trade back and still get 8.9 plus another pick. Maybe it's even this year too. You get a second round pick on top of it. It's like, oh, with how this draft is with offensive linemen, we could take an old lineman with the fifth pick in the second round and still get a first round quality guy. Like, imagine this, just a weird scenario too. Like they trade back to, I'm going to stick with nine just because there is rumors that Denver may be interested. Like they're not sold on Drew Locke. So let's say they're like, okay, we want Justin Fields who somehow slipped to five. So they trade up and go get him. Cincinnati picks at number number nine now. They draft, let's say, Rashawn Slater. Let's say Panay Sewell goes sometime already, so Rashawn Slater's there, or vice versa. Either one. You can't go wrong. I mean, that's kind of the pinnacle of the offensive line in this draft. Da-da-da-da-da. You go through. You also pick up like a third-round pick from Denver, and next year you have a good pick from them too. Second round rolls around. Fifth pick in the second round. What would you look at that? Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, a potential first-round tackle is also there. Bookend tackles. Kick one of them inside to guard like Eichenberg can take the Zach Martin route. A tackle in college gets kicked inside to guard. Dirty. Then you add that with Jonah Williams, who they already have too. Suddenly your offensive line is pretty formidable in an AFC North where offensive lines are a major key to all, all teams so far. I mean, the Browns, heck, they have the best offensive line in the game. Yeah. And the Ravens are always known for an offensive line, and same with the Steelers. So that puts you right back in the thick of it. But there's also that one man out of LSU too, known as Jamar Chase. There's been a lot of rumors coming around too. It's hard to turn down that guy, but if you can trade back, like you mentioned, and you could load up on that offensive line, I would go with that. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a very smart option. And maybe potentially you get another second-round pick out of the Panthers as well. Maybe you get their first and their second this year and another pick next year. Oh, I and, said Denver, not the Panthers. Oh, sorry, out of Denver. My bad, out of Denver. Apologies. I, I heard you as jumping the Panthers, and I just the Panthers stuck in my brain. So out of Denver for jump, you know, trading, trading with Denver – from from nine to five so obviously cincinnati will drop back to nine they get their first round and their second round picks there if you do that my goodness then you have two top 10 second round picks you get you, you get two, be... you get jamar chase in the first round potentially and two offensive linemen in the second round that are first first round qualities if jamar chase drops the pick number nine i feel like you almost have to do it like, all right we're gonna grab three offensive linemen after this we're gonna we'll figure this out there but and there's some that, there's some offensive line that could fall to them in that second round. Like you mentioned, Eichenberg, potentially Leatherwood, Creed Humphrey. Um, my favorite my favorite offensive lineman in this draft, Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater. The dude's an absolute mauler. I think he's Samuel gonna have a Cosme out of Texas too, another freak the freak of nature. Like there's so many offensive linemen that could be expected to slip. So while Joe Burrow protecting him is your greatest asset, your greatest need, it depends how highly you rated the guys like Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater, probably the two top tackles on the draft by any reasonable person's board i'd imagine how much higher do you have them than everybody else is it like a huge gap is it like these two and then a giant cliff and everybody else or is it at least comparable enough where you can grab three offensive linemen in the second round second and third round and then you grab jamar chase who is only matched by Devontae smith really in this draft and even going back to last year jamar chase would be the best receiver in that draft too and that draft was historically known as is known as one of the historical deepest drafts as far as prospects go. Yeah. And I do want to take a moment though. I do want to talk about, because the two guys you just mentioned Sewell versus Slater, because this is, this is obviously the number one pick that's probably going to take a lineman here at this point in time, considering everybody, all the trades that have been made since then in the people in front of them. Who do you, since you're working on a big board right now, obviously I do want to get your opinion on this between Sewell and Slater, who do you actually have ranked higher to start immediately versus potential long-term? Well, basically going to give a spoiler alert now, I guess is what you're asking me to do before I get it all done. A little bit, a little bit of spoiler. 
Abershawn Slater is the better player coming out as a prospect. Rashawn Slater's floor feels like starting right tackle for 10 years. When I look at him, I feel like that is his floor. Like his ceiling is a perennial pro bowler. Okay. Panay Sewell, his floor is probably is rougher, I guess. Like there's a there's a better, I'm not gonna say a bust because I still think he's too good to be a bust, but I think there's a chance he'd be kind of a letdown, like that almost kick him into guard and he's just kind of terrifies people at guard. But his ceiling is best lineman in football. Like or in that conversation with the Quentin Nelsons, the Zach Martins, just put him in tackle, looking like the David Bakhtiari's, the prime Trent Williams, guys like that. So his ceiling is just because of his natural freakishness, who Sean Slater is also pretty freaky too, for anyone who doesn't doesn't know. I mean, it's Northwestern, so nobody cares, I guess. But yeah. he held up against Chase Young, who we talk, they talked about as the greatest defensive end prospect of all time coming out last year. And when they went head-to-head in 2019, Rashawn Slater held his own. I mean, you could say he won that battle, give or take. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I got to say, I think I think Slater looks really good right now. And, and I think that's the biggest thing for Cincinnati is you need good now. You don't need... Penesul is good now, too, as well, too. Yeah. Let's not get that twist. Oh, no, away. yeah, you I'm saying... Go wrong. Yeah. Like, if we're going to rank these guys on, like, pro football focus type of rating, it's like Slater's like a 94, and Penesul's like a 91 as of right now. Heck, maybe even a 92 and a half, honestly. Yeah, like really, it's... really, yeah. I mean, like, he's still starter quality. I just think when you look at just solidifying the edge and holding your, holding your block and not letting a guy get around you... And I think that's the biggest thing is Slater has the hands to work him. Panay Sewell still relies on his just sheer athletic ability sometimes too much. And one it thing that was kind of pops out to him too is like when he gets he gets himself in bad positions, but he still held the block because he's that freakishly gifted and strong and fast and athletic. Like someone would get all the way into his chest full leverage and he'd just be like, no. And just kind of like wrap it over basically overhook their arms, like, you're done. Yeah. And then he'd be able to make up for it, even though it's in a position where most offensive linemen would get driven into the quarterback like what we saw happen to Burrow, where you get driven straight back. But yeah. in this, in Sewell's case, he'd just be like, oh, yeah, tree trunks, and then plant his legs into the ground and just lock on and be like, okay, we're done moving now. I'm stopping you in your tracks. But I don't know how well that's going to work when it's Aaron Donald's or Cameron Hayward's or Calais Campbell's or Miles Garrett, like those guys driving into you. You're going to have to be as technically sound as you can. So I, if they could somehow get both of them, that'd be insane. But I feel like those... <laughs> I've, I like Rashawn Slater just slightly more, but it's tomato, tomato. And Rashawn Slater, for some reason, he can't play tackle at the NFL. For some reason, he just can't do it. You could kick him into guard. He is he could play all over the place. Like, he is yeah. really, really good. Panesu, I feel like, is a tackle. I, I, you could put him at guard, but I just don't think it'd be a natural fit. Like he, he, has to, he feels like he's born to play tackle, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And now the one thing I do want to point out as, as far as Panesu goes – and defacing NFL talent, because as you mentioned, some of the NFL talent is definitely a lot different than some of the guys he faced. His one time playing against quality NFL talent, like a first round NFL, second round NFL draft pick, was back in Auburn when they played Auburn back in, in 2019. And he matched up against Marlon Davidson. And I don't know if anybody remembers that game, but Justin Herbert had to leave that game with a knee injury because of Marlon Davidson getting around Panay Sewell. And when he made the tackle, his helmet actually clipped Justin Herbert's knee and unfortunately that's what knocked Herbert out for some of that game he was able to come back in and play but it was tight knee but he has he's shored up a, a little bit of that but if he's able to if he faces another athletic end like what he faced with Marlon Davidson who's also strong so I think Chase Young that might be the case again for Cincinnati watching a guy come flying around the edge 
against their number one savior, Joe Burrow. And that's a slightly terrifying thing to think about. And that's just one of the things Panay Sewell, because he's not totally shirred up his actual pass blocking physics. He just relies a little too much on his athleticism sometimes. And that's one thing that worries me with him. Absolutely, too. And what's crazy about Rashawn Slater is they talk about Panay Sewell's athleticism. Rashawn Slater ran a 4'8", 40 at 305 pounds and had 33 reps on the bench press. Like, he is terrifying as well, too. So, well, I talk a little bit more about that on the big board that we're work- that's working on as well, too. So when we get to it, we can see a little more of our thoughts on there as well. But Panay Sewell definitely wins the oh my god factor, 331 pounds and like six foot six, six foot seven. So you can't go wrong with either one, honestly. You really can't. Absolutely. So I guess that guarantees that we're both saying you take one of these two guys at five, unless you have the opportunity to pick up a crap ton of picks and slide still within the top ten. I think it's safe. It's safe to say. If, if Jamar Chase somehow slips, let's hypothetically say you trade back to nine and Jamar Chase is there and both the tackles are there, then I really think you think about it since you have picked up extra picks, presumably in that same second and third round. Yeah. Then you're like, huh, you know what? I uh, I kind of want to grab Jamar Chase because you, you're you not going to get that in the second round. No. But you can get two guys that are B, B minus B players, like 83% of Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell, but you get two of them. It I mean, depends. Alex Leatherwood by himself is an A-rated player. He's just honestly Alex Leatherwood's probably fourth best tackle in the draft. So I mean, if, you, <laughs> if he slips to the second round somehow, just the way they go, I mean, shoot, you're getting not, you're getting ninety percent of Sewell and Slater, honestly, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, so I guess that solves it for us for Cincinnati because I mean, I feel like this. That's what I mean by this is the most intriguing pick I think out of these two two divisions is because Cincinnati can do so much with it because of the depth available at offensive line this year, I think. And since we talk so much about it too, let's hypothetically say this, they trade back to nine, grab Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell, and you have the second round. Terrace Marshall, a fellow LSU guy. He might be there too. I mean, he's no scrub by any means. He just doesn't look like, I can't imagine him being a first round guy personally, but I could be wrong. Yeah, like I mean, He's he good enough to be a first round guy. I just don't know if he'll get drafted in the first round. Just ran a four, three, eight, you know, no big deal. Yeah. You know, just the third fastest 40 in this year's, Wide receiver core. No big deal. And and I'm sure, well, that's because probably no, the two other fastest guys didn't run. Just throwing that out there. Looking at <laughs> Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. I want to see Jalen Waddle's 4-2 flat. But anyway. Oh, sorry. I, I was, I'm including the people that actually ran. I didn't even leave those two, include those two. But you're right. I know. I'm just saying, I was saying, like, I wish they had ran. I was just more complaining at this point because I want to see Jalen Waddle run. I understand yeah, I he's injured, so I get it. Like, I get it. I just, I'm sad. Even with the plate in his foot, you still could see some of his speed during the national championship. And that was what was crazy. He's playing with a plate in his foot like five days off of surgery. And he's like, yeah, I got this, guys. Nah. We clearly can see he's hobbled and not 100%. He's still running like a 4-4, it seems like. It's like, oh, yeah. that's not fair. Runs a drag route, still able to get out of bounds without being touched. Like, okay, guys, I I don't know anything about athleticism anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Terrace Marshall could be a really good – if they really wanted another receiver, that'd be – to unite with Joe Burrow, I think that's always an option. But I feel like receiver's not very high on their needs when you have T. Higgins, Taj Boyd – or Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon, CJ Zoma, like you got weapons. It's a good receiver draft again, too. I think offensive line should be the key, personally. I think you see it so often with the young quarterbacks, getting them hit so often, that's the worst thing that could happen. Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz when Lay Johnson was out compared to when he's in and what we've seen recently. I feel like they just protecting the young quarterbacks is such a huge key. Sam Darnold, my goodness, what they did to that poor man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're exactly right. I think as, as we see Sam, Sam Darnold got celebrated getting traded to the Panthers. That's how bad everybody around Sam Darnold knew that situation was in New York. 
Look what happened to Ryan Tannehill. They got him away from Adam Gase in that kind of mess of an offensive line situation to Tennessee with a pretty good offensive line. And would you look at that? Baker Mayfield, you gave him the best offensive line in football. He won a playoff game and nearly won two. Yeah. And we're going to get to that one in a second because he did Hmm. beat the next team on our list, Pittsburgh, at number 24 picking here. Um, And despite all the dancing from Chase Claypool and all the all the dancing from Juju and all the uh, the smack talking they did year round. The Browns you, is the Browns. You can't beat a team three times. It's one of the start, one of the hardest things to do, and Cleveland proved that as they took out Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And well, I think they did a little bit of a, a, a ditty in the uh, locker room afterwards as well, if you will. So a little bit of payback for for Cleveland, and Cleveland's been through enough. So <laughs> we'll go straight to Pittsburgh. What do you think they're going to do here at twenty four? Because they do not have a running back at this point in time as well as now needing another offensive lineman. I feel like a left tackle for to take Andrew Villanueva's spot, the offense, offensive line, just keep Big Ben upright because you need to protect him. He's not moving very much anymore. He's pretty stationary. He doesn't. He's not unleashing, so you kind of got to protect him for those short slants they run every play, and especially if defense is keying on him. They sit in the first window. You got to wait for them to cross into the second and third windows. So that's an option, not very high on the list. I think they could use another pass rusher opposite TJ Watt, losing Bud Debris, Cameron Hayward getting a little older, just a little more depth on the linebacker core too. Vince Williams got hurt. Devin Bush got hurt. Just more front seven depth. But I, I, I do agree with you. They really do need a running back. Like taking Najee Harris here or something like that, I don't think would be that bad of a pick. Najee Harris can do everything you need. My goodness, he is a stud. And he can run behind David DeCastro. You give him David DeCastro and say, run behind him. He's like, I, I got this. I know they'll miss the obviously, so they got to replace that. But we mentioned O line depth, not a huge, not as huge of a need for the Steelers compared to some other teams. So I think that's a good. I like Najee Harris, or I like upgrading linebacker depth if somebody is there, like a Zayvon Collins, maybe something along those lines. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you as that as well. Um, I'd say maybe alternatively to uh, the defensive, uh, defensive, you know, go with a defensive tackle maybe um, just to help stir up that middle. Uh, again, kind of the same thing I was I was referencing with Minnesota. Maybe help out your edge rusher by getting a little pressure from the inside. So maybe there's a bar more available or somebody else. Um, a Wuzurike from Washington maybe available there. I would really like a like to see a loser a Wuzurike there too. I think he could do a lot of damage. Absolutely. I mean Pittsburgh. You know Pittsburgh loves loves to have a guy in the very middle of their defense to just be able to take two guys on at any point in time and free up the rest of their guys to do what they need. Um, because they do have a lot of talent in the, on that secondary, as you mentioned, a lot of them, but they got hurt last year. Um, so obviously the biggest one, biggest hole being you need to replace Bud Dupree. But other than that, um, it, it's kind of up to you if I'm if I'm Pittsburgh. Obviously, I think I need to find a running back. But the one thing with running backs nowadays, everybody looks at running backs and thinks maybe second round. And so Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne, probably your best two running backs, are still going to be on the board at 24 and might even potentially be on the board in the second round. And so maybe they think about trading up in the second round to get one of those guys and then getting an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman right here or edge rusher here to offset that, I think, is what if I would do if I'm Pittsburgh, really, because as you mentioned, Big Ben is not he's not doing it. He's not useful, Hmm. really, other than throwing a quick slant. He had the quickest time to release last year, if that tells you anything. Literally, he caught the ball and within two point five seconds, it was out of his hands. It was a record year for the time to release for any quarterback since they've started keeping track of it, if that tells you anything. 
Absolutely. So. You still throw the fader out, but at the same time, it's very, it's a very quick hit offense, which is, and as soon as the safeties come flying down, then you throw it over the top to Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, et cetera. So exactly. definitely, I think running back, especially one that could catch would help out a lot, but can't go wrong bolstering that defense that was plagued by injuries too. Yeah. And, and they did have a resurrection in Eric Ebron too. I mean, he did look pretty good for, for Pittsburgh most of last year. So, you know, oh, well, they, they don't have to worry about trying to replace him at least. Eh, um, you, you never know. I mean, he always, he's looked good the first year of the cut last couple times. So we'll see how <laughs> it goes the second year. That's a good point. So moving to Cleveland, who has possibly the best offense in this division without a guy named Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I think it's it, might even be, it might be even with comparatively. You never know. Yeah, Definitely and, the best offensive line. My goodness. Like that is, you talked about how good Gonzaga's team was compared to everyone else's. That's what the Browns offensive line is compared to everyone else's. It seems like. You're exactly right. I think, I think Cleveland's offensive line is absolutely set. The running back court, absolutely set. OBJ coming back. Rashard Higgins coming back, who had a, had a great year in Odell Beckham's missing time. Um, and then you talk about this trio of tight ends they have, you know, you have Harrison Bryant, you have, uh, and David Njoku and, you know, Austin Hooper all available to you. And a trio of tight ends. Thank you. How often do you say that? Like what? <laughs> a, a trio of tight ends who all caught a touchdown pass last year. And Harrison Bryant even made the all rookie team as a tight end. All three of them could start on more than half the teams. Absolutely. And then I'm not even counting QB one here and people might think I'm talking about Baker, but no, no. I'm talking about the purple-haired, purple-haired fiend, Jarvis Landry, QB1, wide receiver one over there in, in Cleveland. Um, he is, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely probably their, their, I hate to say it, but he's. The, I feel like he's that engine that drives his team, not so much through play on the ball, but just his leadership mentality and everything else. He keeps everybody kind of level-headed, even though, Jarvis sometimes can, can can Jarvis when he wants to. His name his nickname is perfect. I feel like he is the juice for the team. Like that, it's perfect. Absolutely. So when you look at this oh, Cleveland yeah. team, offensively, probably not much you need to fill here. Where do you go with this Cleveland team? They did a really good job this offseason. Really underrated. They needed safety help. Bring in Josh Johnson the third. Okay, top ten safety. That was that works out. Could use some linebacker help. Oh, Anthony Walker Jr. A tackling machine. Okay, we're good here. Yeah, Miles Garrett could use a little bit of help. Oh, here's Tack McKinley. Like, it seems like every little they covered all of their major needs. I mean, they're in that they're the weird position, which is kind of similar to what their interdivision rival, the Ravens, have been in for the majority of their franchise history. They could just take whatever they want and plug it in somewhere. We saw it last year too. Well, we don't really need J.K. Dobbins, but we'll go and take him. He's a stud. Like yeah. even Patrick Queen, it's like we don't really need Patrick. We'll make Patrick Queen work. When they took C.J. Mosley, we don't really need it. It worked. Like they just find out you could take whatever and make it work. So they could, they could really do whatever they want here, especially if one of those edge rusher guys maybe slips like that. Greg Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, like Elijah Ozerari. I think I got that right. Ojalari from Georgia. If he's there, maybe you just bring him in to go attack McKinley Two absolute speed demons on the edge. And then you kick miles Garrett inside in passing situations. Oh, good luck. Oh, I pl- I'm playing guard because I struggle at tackle. Oh, great. I still have to go against miles Garrett. Great. I, coach i'm hurt coach <laughs> coach i'm hurt today i i i i can't play unless you put me on the other side of the field oh crap he moved over here coach i'm hurt coach i'm, I'm, I'm hurt again i'm hurt again <laughs> or they could go linebacker if micah parsons maybe slips a little bit i mentioned zavin collins last time i think he'd be better in a 4-3 type defense so maybe yeah. he fits here too i mean you got all kinds of options if you're if you're the browns i think defensive help is key grant Elpit's coming back as safety so you see how it's 
Trayvon Morig or Javon Holland, Javon Holland. Both those guys could fit here too. I mean, Javon Holland with John Johnson. Wow. That's, that's insane. And corner help too. Greedy Williams coming back. Denzel Ward being, if he could playing all 16 games this year, or at least most of them, like they're just some defensive help across the board. You can help at all three levels, but they don't have a need, which yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. Compared to when we did this mock draft, because it was, that was right at the beginning of free agency where I had their big need being linebacker at the time. Well, as you mentioned, Anthony Walker Jr. Comes in an absolute tackling machine, a very underrated guy. I mean, you, you, you obviously have a lot of experience watching him from watching the Colts, but a lot of people outside of teams that watch the, the AFC South and especially the Colts don't know about Anthony Walker Jr. Because of Darius Leonard. <laughs> like, when you look at it, Darius Leonard came in and overshadowed Anthony Walker's success because really Anthony Walker has been potentially a top five linebacker in the AFC. He's just overshadowed by Darius Leonard being the number one linebacker. <laughs> and he unfortunately with Bobby Okariki, another linebacker for Indianapolis stepping up to Anthony Walker wasn't going to get playing time. That's kind of why he's gone in the first place too. That's like, well, it's a, the base is basically a nickel defense. You already have those two linebackers. It's like, well, not a whole lot we could do. And fun fact, when the Browns and the Colts played last year, Anthony Walker intercepted Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Like, so he can clearly play, and the Browns know that. That's why, like, we want that guy. Yeah. And that was a game where Darius Leonard did not play, so Anthony Walker saw more playing time, made it count. So they, linebacker, they can always – if there's one – they it depends who the highest-rated defender is on the board because regardless of position, there's a spot for him. Yeah, as I'm, long as he's not trying to be Miles Garrett's spot, but there's a spot opposite Miles Garrett that is open, so you can take that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, I I have it listed as mine. I'm I'm thinking best available corner, followed by best available linebacker, and then best available lineman, defensive lineman is where I have them rated at. It, it, obviously, you take if you're looking at those three positions, and the best guy available is a corner. That's your man because he can go help out, and especially that slot position opening up uh, being, you know, for them, I feel like that's a big need for right now. Um, but then again, cause we don't know what Grant Dale Fitz going to look like coming back. Cause normally he would slide down and be that sort of slot corner or type of guy. Cause that's what he played in college. Yeah. Like so. an in the box safety. That's practically a linebacker. I mean, he's six, three, two twenty. He could play linebacker. Basically he's a big boy yeah. cover tight ends and maybe a slot receiver. That's not an absolute burner. Like that's not stupid fast. Exactly. So we'll see what they do here, but I I'm right there with you. I mean, they have probably the best, layout for this draft right now out of all the teams we've covered so far where they can just kind of go huh yeah we have five minutes let's sit here and talk about this guys (laughs) let's give a couple calls out and let's see who wants to look at film tape you know maybe they pull some pranks like you see in like the movie draft day or the quote-unquote jamarcus russell day uh um rumor that went around that he you know was given blank tapes maybe they do that with a couple of these prospects that they're going to be looking at later in the draft and and later in this first round and be like, you know, you're the one that actually told the truth. Hmm. We're going to draft you type of thing. Like, cause really, if you're Cleveland, you can't mess this up. I feel like unless you, you take a quarterback pretty much. Yeah. Or if you just try and get really smart and reach, but we we talked about it. So just to add more to it, just to give like a solidified answer. One of my quickly favorite players in this draft is we've talked about it more and more. He's like, I've, when we're, I've doing, been doing this board, he's a guy that's really stuck out to me. And I absolutely, he's become one of my favorite players. Javon Holland, that that safety out of Oregon. I really if he is here for them, which I imagine he will be, he did sit out last season, so we didn't yep. see as much of him. But last time we saw him, four Stuck. interceptions. Like he's all over the field. He's an absolute machine. We talk about Trayvon Morgan, a guy that you and I both are big fans of. Javon Holland in any other class is probably a safety, right? Is probably a safety one. He's not too far behind. 
If he's there for the Browns, I do not mind that pick at all. Put him with Josh Johnson. Holland can roll down and play. He can cover a corner. You don't miss anything if you put him as your slot corner, really. And if they run outside, he's going to probably run through that receiver and make the tackle. You have Josh Johnson and Delpit over the top. I mean, Denzel Ward as well. That's that's a really dirty, versatile piece of that defense. So I really like him, and I think he could be really good with Cleveland if it's a guy they have highly rated and, and he's there. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, if I'm looking at actual players, uh, I, at the, I'll just, since I named three positions, you know, for corner, <laughs> I look at Asante Samuel Jr. and Sean Wade being potential fits here. Asante Samuel Jr. especially looks really good on pay, like on his film and then on his pro day. He had a good good pro day for Florida State. Um, Sean Wade. Sean Wade to me is more of a question mark because he comes from Ohio State and their corners are always questionable. I it's like getting a quarterback out of Ohio State. Um, ironically enough, that you just don't they're, they're a position you're from Ohio State. You're just kind of like I don't know if he's a first round talent, but physically he looks good. What how he plays is a different story. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about him yet. He is one of my top ranked corners, as in the top ten. But I have him below Asante Samuel, but he's a potential guy that'll be fit that'll be there. Um, and then at linebacker, I look at I look at the kid out of Kentucky, Jamin Davis. I mean, he is slowly making a name for himself. And when I say slowly, I mean it's more explosively making a name for himself. A lot like his forty day, he was uh, very explosive. And you you look at look at somebody to fit next to next to the new new fit at Anthony Walker, and you're just like, huh? I a freakish athlete playing linebacker. I'm okay with this. The guy who on film looks a lot like Darius Leonard next to Anthony Walker. Let's uh, do this. That that guy in Oregon's out too. Yeah, you know, maybe from a small SEC school that's better at basketball than they are at football. How about how about that? Well, maybe not so much this year, better at basketball, but yeah. Okay, touche. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I have with Cleveland um, going for there for, for as well. Um, but I'm I, I like Javon Holland as well. I think I think you maybe think about maybe picking him up depending because you're still looking at Delpit and how he comes back. Um, as a potential kind of fit there, and he could I also put slide down. A linebacker, he's big enough. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say he could slide down to be that linebacker, run a run a nickel or dime type of thing where he's always in the box. You'd be fine, or three three five where he slides into the box. That'd be fine too. Um, but moving over to a more dynamic team and a team we mentioned just now, as far as they've been always in the position to pick the best available at twenty seven, the Baltimore Ravens, who really. You look at this, and they can kind of go anywhere, it feels like, if you were being completely honest. Defense needs some help, though. I will say their defense definitely needs some help. Uh, But, DJ, where do you have them going at this pick at number 27? I think the fun pick would say, like, they need a receiver, considering all their attempts in the offseason kind of fell flat. They weren't able to bring in anyone until Sammy Watkins just recently, but they still kind of need that big, strong receiver who could just be like, okay, that's my ball. That Lamar could kind of put it up. Basically a tight end that could play out wide which was why Kenny Galladay we've talked about would have been a perfect fit, but that didn't work out. So maybe someone like Rashad Bateman could be cool. Like some of the best hands in route running, catching traffic in the draft, that'd be dope. But I don't know if it's necessarily a priority, especially for your first round pick. I feel like you mentioned they do need some defense felt, but kind of on the edges too. I mean, no Yannick and Dockway, they let him go because that was a failed experiment. Matthew Judon's gone. Clay's Campbell's getting older. You have Patrick Queen, who's really nice, but you need some, some guys on the opposite side of him. It probably doesn't make sense, but one pick that it would be really, really fun to bring in LSU linebacker Jabril Cox just to play with, just to play with Patrick Queen. Two guys that kind of have a similar game, just so fantastic in coverage, the explosiveness, the athleticism. If Jabril, both efficient blitzers, just do it all linebackers. That'd be fun. 
wouldn't really make sense, but it would be, it'd be fun. And it's one of those, you can make it work. Just run two linebackers, run the nickel, basically. And just let Jabril Cox in, Patrick Queen be your version of Devin White and Levante David. Just let them destroy the middle of the field. Yeah. But I think they could, I think edge is definitely a big thing for them. So like Elise Ojolari is a good one there too. Just something along those lines. Gregory Rousseau, if he's still sitting there, something, they just need to sure up the defense a little bit with younger players. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And, and I just want to go back to our mock draft because of the way we had the mock draft set up at the time, it was actually Trayvon Morig who fell to this position. That is a good pick there too, as well. Yeah, that is a, that, him and Javon Holland both would be very damn good picks here. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think those two both, and maybe if they're off the board, maybe that Richie Grant out of UCF potentially he's a good kid too. Yeah, also being a pick there, uh, Eli Gold, Eli Molden as well as a safety. Um, but I think I look at safety first, and then if it's not safety, I'm right there with you. Give me an edge rusher. Give me an interior defensive lineman. Something to get younger. Obviously, you look at Tyler Shelvin from LSU, um, and then also. A guy out of Houston in Peyton Turner, who has quietly had a fantastic year last year, also looking really good in his pro day. Um, so, so quietly he's there. He has all the talent, and he's a guy who who will easily fall to this position. I feel like, and he won't make a lot of noise because a lot of people are looking at, like you said, Jalen Phillips, uh, Russo, you know, uh, Pay, uh, Oa, and Ojolari, and you're looking at all those guys. And not so much Turner out of Houston because physically he's maybe not the most imposing guy in the world, but as far as talent goes, I think he has all the intangibles to be good. Um, so that those would be the two guys I'd really look at. Obviously, safety and edge rusher, but I think you're exactly right. Jabril Cox from LSU would be a fun, a really entertaining linebacking core to watch for this team, for sure. Especially when you look at the Browns, they're going to run the ball, so you can have those two guys that could chase it down. They're both going to take on blocks. They're going to do what they can. You against Steelers, who we mentioned run slants every play. Run slants against those two in the middle. Have fun with that. Yeah, go go try to go try to keep your helmet attached and dance after you take a shot from Jabril Cox or Patrick Queen. I don't want to deal with that. I'm I'm not. There's no chance. You thought Von Bell hurt? I mean, good luck with that. But it, just to add another one, like in the front seven, I think Christian Barmore would be an amazing fit here. A guy who can kind of slide all the way up and down in those odd multiple fronts, or a guy that is raw but has some work. Davion Nixon out of Iowa the athletic mm-hmm. defensive tackle who's more of the three technique, almost in a four, three, that's kind of his primary role. That's what he knows. He's really raw, but he could play a three, four defensive end in like passing downs too. I think he's athletic enough. He is athletic enough. I mean, he has a 70 something yard pick six. Like, yeah. That's all you need to know from a guy who's 300 pounds, basically. So yeah. I think there's plenty of options for the Ravens, but in the similar vein of the Browns, I think defense is a big one for them, but depending on how highly they rate a guy like Rashad Bateman, a big receiver, just give Lamar Jackson another big target. Wouldn't be a bad option either. Rashad Bateman does get open. I really do like that pick if they decide we need receiver. Yeah, and, and you saw it a little bit when Dez Bryant was on that team. He Lamar looked at Dez, whether it was a smart move or not, he looked at <laughs> Dez because of Dez's big body and ability to bring it in with his hands. It gives you a lot of wiggle room when you throw it. It doesn't have to be precise. Like when you throw to Hollywood, who's five foot seven, unless he's a, like five yards open because he's stupid fast. Exactly. I mean, and, and that, that big body like a Bateman would provide you would actually open up that backside throw to Hollywood Brown because they would have to focus on the front side slant. You know, if that if that's running across your face, your linebackers can't come over and chip a guy coming out of the slot like Hollywood Brown normally does as he's running a deep out pattern of some sort. And, oh, and then you have Sammy Watkins too, just kind of blazing across the field too for this 10 games that he's healthy. 
yeah, he'll he'll run drags all day long. So all you got to do is just dump it off with here. Lamar Jackson still to this day, he looks like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders when he's throwing a ball because it's just <laughs> such an aggravation to him. Like, I don't want to do this. He's a good thrower. Obviously, I mean, he's a professional quarterback, so he's not a bad thrower by any means. He's top 32 in the world <laughs> at throwing <laughs> a football. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that much. It, it's just the look on his face when he throws just cracks me up every time because he's just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You guys are welcome on throwing this touchdown pass as opposed to running and juking your ankles. <laughs> You're welcome for your ankles and your career for keeping those alive. But that, yeah, you know, You're I love Lamar Jackson. on my highlight tape. Yeah, like I love Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I can't lie. I, I, I love his ability. I do wish he could throw better outside the numbers. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest issues. That's why I tend to stray away from a first-round draft pick going to a receiver. Because outside of the numbers, it's just kind of a – uh, uh, crapshoot, if you will. There's a reason why Mark Andrews is his number one target. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. <laughs> but um, I, that's why I shy away from a first-round receiver draft pick for him. Uh, if you've already done one with Hollywood Brown. So I look towards that defensive side first. But I, I'm, I'm not going to say that Bateman would be a bad pick because to really that would be a very good pick any way you cut it. And another thing they could do too is with how often they run the ball, the way they're built, you can never go wrong with more offensive line to load up here too. I mean – you could still keep loading at Orlando Brown reportedly looking to get traded to Ronnie Stanley a little bit iffy. Maybe you grab one of those other tackles that are out here and kick one in the guard or something like that and just say, all right, this is a wall. Good luck, everybody else. Lamar, get behind them. Yeah. Like, just it, make it a completely possible. impenetrable force. <laughs> anything is possible picking at 27 because at this point in time, you're really, it really is best available slash, you know, the small needs that you really have because really – if we break it down for Baltimore, it's not like they have major, major needs. They have like, okay, this would be really nice if you could fill this guaranteed in this pick. But really, there's depth enough in this draft that you can pick it at any point in time. Whereas a lot of these other guys are like, okay, we need this. Like I'd say outside of defensive line, Baltimore doesn't really need a whole lot other than defensive line, it seems like. Realistically, so. yeah, just some front seven help seems like a very major, is a high area of need. It's the only one that really sticks out. Yeah. So just final recap for the AFC North. Cincinnati, offensive line, unless somehow you can get a trade to trade back, staying in the top 10 and and getting a bunch of picks for this draft and, and future um, where you can still get two two linemen in the next round, I think is a safe safe bet to say. Obviously. Find a way to get offensive line. Doesn't matter how, what, when, where, why. Exactly. Um, Pittsburgh, uh, kind of a crapshoot, but really I think we both agree it's either running back or – defensive line slash defensive line or depth at linebacker if a linebacker is available more pass rush basically yeah yeah so uh but needing a running back is always a thing just because you never know um (laughs) and then cleveland i'd say best available defensive player it it seems like a safe pick for me and uh, dj i feel like it's the same for you almost identical yeah yeah and then baltimore this one we you you recommended going offensive with receiver right there as a potential pick or filling in one of your needs on defense, like maybe a safety or a pass rusher or a linebacker potentially um, being the big looks. For me, I'm looking at safety potentially being there, edge rusher, defensive lineman, but I'm not going to shy away from a potential Bateman pick if they have him as a higher-ranked guy. That would seem like a – it wouldn't be a bad pick for Baltimore if that's the best available. But, you know, I I do think that's a very interesting look. Um, But that does it for today's draft breakdown for the nfc north and afc north guys next week we're starting to get down to the nitty-gritty 
next week will be the AFC South and NFC South. Um, that one's going to be very interesting. I got quite to say. a few uh, top ten teams in that as well, too. Yeah, that one's going to be uh, that one's going to be a head scratcher for who's going to pick what and who's going to go where because there's a lot of things up in the air in those two divisions. Um, Especially after the Panthers making that recent trade too, bringing in who might be their guy, Sam Darnold, the quarterback. Are they still in the quarterback market? We'll have to see and find out. Exactly. So we'll we'll get ready for that one next week, guys. But this week, enjoy the NFC North, AFC North. Also, enjoy. We have a interview releasing the same week, so be sure to check that out, guys. Um, and it was a fantastic interview. But until next week, we'll see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.